there are two types of people in the world. Those of us who are happy to live with uncertainty and those who like to have everything nailed down. Those who are comfortable with ambiguity and those who prefer things to be precise. Now, I know which kind I am and it's not the one I'd like to be. I'd like to be the first kind. The person who can cope with not having all the answers. They appear so happy. Uh, No need for rules or clear instructions. Uh, They just live in freedom and spontaneity. But I'm not that person. I'm the other one. So imagine my angst, my inner turmoil, if you please, when last month I found myself standing at the supermarket checkout labelled about 25 items or less. About 25 items? What does that even mean? Uh, Does that mean 25 or doesn't it? At what number does about 25 cease to be about 25? I need to know. Is it 26? Uh, What about 27? Is 30 about 25? And what about 39? Because that is how many items the lady in front of me had in her cart. I know I counted them. And I nearly called the police. Now, I'm a reasonable bloke. If you get to know me, I'm sure you'll like me. But there is no way that 39 is about 25. It is 56% more than 25. I know I used a calculator. So I'm looking at the checkout operator pleading silently for justice, thinking, referee, this is a clear violation of the rules. But she just swiped the lawbreaker's groceries, uh, not even a passive-aggressive stare in the direction of the perpetrator. I like to think there's a special section of hell reserved for people like this. By her couldn't-care-less manner, she was clearly a persistent lawbreaker, no trace of shame. And that is why I want to be that type of person. You can break the rules and still have a lovely day, while people like me obey the man and get all bent out of shape about those who don't. I think I'd have made an excellent Pharisee. Oh, and don't even get me started on the fact that it should be about 25 items or fewer, not less. The real reason I want to be like that lady is that sometimes that's how God is. We want an orderly God, a predictable God, a God who telegraphs his next move and gives us plenty of time to prepare for it. We seek a tame God whose mind we can read, whose will we can map, whose power we can check. We search for a dove in a cage. But on the day of Pentecost, the Christian church received an altogether different bird, a wild passionate, uncontrollable bird, a creator, an adventurer, a pioneer. 
We love to bask in the presence of the dove with its serene beauty and its rare peace. But our ancient Celtic Christian ancestors revered the goose as a symbol for the Holy Spirit. And I think they were onto something. Often the Holy Spirit drives us into vistas that are not calm but chaotic. Waters that are not placid but agitated. Terrain that is not smooth but jagged. Imagine you are a witness to the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. Let's say you're a devout Jew and your home is Egypt. Each spring, you make the arduous yet joyful pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the Spring Harvest Festival. You call it Pentecost. You go to worship at the temple to thank God for the harvest and to sacrifice some produce from your land. You love this festival. You go each year as a community. All the Jews in your village travel as one gleeful, grateful band of pilgrims. You are an agricultural people, don't forget, and these annual celebrations give you meaning and rhythm and help you keep your life in humble perspective. But this year, your security is shaken. You're now in the city. It's early Sunday morning, and you hear a sound like a tornado. But it's not the weather. The wind isn't real. There's just the sound of one. So you rush out of the place where you're staying to see what's happening, along with a gaggle of other pilgrims. And there, gathered in the public square, stands a handful of locals, 12 Palestinian Jews, preaching. And one of these Palestinians is calling out in your language, Egyptian. And the other 11 are proclaiming God's love in other foreign languages, even though they are not linguists. So your fellow pilgrims from all over the Middle East, North Africa and Southern Europe, they too hear these Israelites calling out in their languages. One cynic standing near you sneers and says they must be drunk. But this is just the warm-up act. As you struggle to take in what you're experiencing, a fire descends from the sky. It separates into 12 small flames and settles on the heads of the speakers. Huh? This is more goose than dove, isn't it? Unpredictable, disconcerting, don't get too close, you're not sure it's safe. Maybe life in the spirit is not palm trees and beaches, but fire and wind. Maybe it's a wild goose chase, but not in the way we usually mean it. This wild goose chase will take us to unimagined places. It will challenge our preconceived ideas. It will lead us to question our deepest assumptions about life and God. Chasing the wild goose. It's not comfortable, it's not safe, it's not simple. It will test our resolve, examine our motives, challenge our comforts. But we must accept the invitation to go with God's spirit, mustn't we? Because being filled with God is worth the discomfort. 
moving humbly into unfamiliar places with Christ is worth the disorientation. What's the alternative? To settle down, to be comfortable in our faith, ceasing to be challenged and stretched and changed and transformed, to trust in our own wisdom, our own expertise, our own tiny virtues and our puny understanding of God. Like those ancient Pentecost worshippers, we too are pilgrims. Yet every fibre of ourselves rebels against that truth. We want to settle down. We yearn for the predictable. No surprises, no challenges, nothing to launch us into the unknown. But the people of the goose are always on the move. We seek out new experiences of God New people with whom we can share his love. New encounters with the Christ who, yes, lives in Christian buildings, but also resides on the margins, in the gloom, amidst the untouchables. When we become comfortable with our spiritual lives, we lose our edge. When we are happy with what we know and how we live, we lose our usefulness. When we fail to notice that God has pulled up stakes and is striding away, we had better follow lest we get left behind with yesterday's stale experience. I ask myself one challenging question. When was the last time I had a fresh experience of God? Every day I make room for prayer and Bible reading, but when was the last time I was genuinely moved by a fresh revelation of his heart, a new experience of his presence, an unpredictable little snippet of new truth? One of the shocking and unsettling new revelations on the day of Pentecost was that God doesn't just speak Hebrew. Here he is, inspiring the apostles to praise God in other languages. This was a shock. God, you see, was supposed to speak only Hebrew. That was the language of scripture, the native tongue of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, oh, and Jesus as well. Now, here was the Holy Spirit borrowing adjectives from Arabs, adverbs from Asians, and participles from Pamphylians. The language of heathen peoples. And in doing so, God pronounces all languages good and all speakers of them holy. Jesus was the great equaliser of men and women, sick and well, Pharisee and tax collector. And now here is the spirit that came in his place, equalising people of all races, nations and languages. Fire and wind won't let us settle. The honking of the goose will give us no rest. Here is a mini United Nations, a city full of pilgrims, a rich tapestry of experience, culture and language. Left to themselves, they don't understand each other. They are divided by language. But now, here comes the Holy Spirit to take their beautiful diversity and create understanding. 
everyone hears in their own language. There's unity in their diversity. They remain citizens of all over the place, but instead of those differences causing division, they are transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit, that unpredictable goose, into a miraculous unity. This is a glorious picture of the work of God. He does not remove our differences. He removes the hostility and division that those differences might cause. In Christ's church, we don't lose our uniqueness. Our cultural, racial, ethnic identities are celebrated. And by the healing work of God, they become a source of unity. It's now 256 years since the Earl of Sandwich told his butler to place a piece of beef between two slices of bread and bring it to him at his card table, thus allowing him to carry on playing with his friends without having to stop for lunch. His friends followed suit and said, we'll have what Sandwich is having. And thus was born the greatest invention of the 18th century. (laughs) Apart from the United States, of course, that was a really good invention as well. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder if I don't regard the Holy Spirit rather like the first ever sandwich, just there to make my life easier. I can carry on as normal without having to stop what I'm doing or questioning why I'm doing it. God's job is to make make things more convenient for me. He is there to endorse my opinions, to rubber stamp my choices, to bless my lifestyle. God's function is to make it easier for me to pursue my projects, to fulfil my plans. To interrupt the card game would be so inconvenient. To leave the drawing room and go to the dining room and to sit in an upright chair and use a knife and fork and make polite conversation and wait for the cook to prepare lunch. It's all such a bother. Better to stay where you are. But if you stay where you are, don't expect to enjoy the peace There's someone that won't let you. That goose. He will waddle up to you and nudge you with his head. Maybe tug your clothes with his bill. Sit on your shoulder even and gently honk in your ear. You see, you were made for grander things than settling where you are. You were created for adventure with God. We are a pilgrim people and we were made for moving. It's why we become restless, why we grow bored, why after making a purchase the shine soon wears off and why after a great accomplishment we soon hunger for another task to perform, another dragon to slay, another world of chaos to tame. Sometimes we don't know where we're going or how we're going to get there. Often we stand at the checkout wishing things were clearer, wanting a tight definition of God's will, what's allowed and what's religiously correct. When God, the unpredictable, discomforting God, calls us to live 
with about 25 items. So this week, may you hear the honk of the goose leading you into adventurous, unsettling places and may you find his courage rise within you and follow him. Amen.